This podcast is brought to you by jewishpodcasts.org. Start your very own podcast today at jewishpodcasts.org. Okay, we're in Parshish Shemini 5780. Perik Yud Pasuk Dalin. The Pasuk says, Moshe Uziel Dod Aaron. Moshe called out to Mishol and Otsafen, the sons of Uziel, the uncle of Aaron. Uziel was the uncle of Aaron. But Yomar Lehman, he said to them, Kirvu. Come close. Take out your brothers from the beginning, from the, the midst of the Kodesh, toward the outside of the camp itself. So who is Uziel? So Rashi says he was the uncle of both Aaron and Moshe, the brother of Amram. As it says in Shmos, and we see that early in Parshas Vayera. It is not a man named Dod, nor is it referring to Mishol and El-Safan being the uncles of Aaron. That's not what we're referring to. We're referring to Uziel, the brother of Amram. That's what we're referring to. It's a bit strange, though. And the reason why that's strange is because these men should have been extremely old. I don't know about you, but when I always learned about Mishol and El-Safan, I figure I pictured like little kids, you know, the same age of Elazar and Aaron, etc., things like that. Uziel was the uncle of Aaron. Now, Aaron was already 84 years old, and Uziel is his uncle, Amram's brother. We're talking about a man who likely was 120 years old. I mean, obviously, there are uncles that are around the same age, maybe a little bit younger than other people, but it doesn't sound that way because Uziel would have been born a little bit earlier. These men must have been around the same age as, as our own, which means that Michelle and Altsafan are 80, 75, 75 years old. I mean, that's what we're talking about. You wouldn't have thought they would be chosen to pull out the bodies. Again, the way I picture it was Michelle and Altsafan are these strong, able-bodied young cousins who are sitting there and like, yeah, we'll help. But they're not. They're older men, way, way older men. Zikanim that were around there. It's just something to wrap your arms around to say, like, okay, I guess that's it. That Sedeladero says that's why Rashi has to point out that this is Aaron's uncle, because you would have thought that Aaron was the uncle here. And Mishol Valtzafan are the nephews, but it's not. It's Aaron who's the nephew of his uncle. And these boys were, I, I guess you could say, that much. It seems so strange. Michelle and Otsafim must have been around that same age. Just something very strange to think about. Rabbeinu Bechaya and the Be'era Torah says Uziel is only known as the uncle of Aaron, even though he was also the uncle of Moshe. I mean, obviously, because he would have been the uncle of Moshe, the uncle of Miriam, the uncle of Aaron, because he was similar to Aaron. And this is what the Rabbeinu Bechaya brings down from a medrash. He was an Oiv Shalom and Rodev Shalom exactly like Aaron himself. Even though usually when an uncle shares a trait like this, it's an uncle from the mother. In other words, the mother's brother, because the mother's brother is always like the son. Usually that's like this. We're pointing this out here because he wasn't. He was really his father's brother. That's how, This wasn't natural for him to be like Aaron and Chase Peace. It wasn't like a natural thing where you have that uncle-nephew relationship when you're from the mother's side. He chose to become this type of a person and therefore Uziel became a very great person being like Aaron as an Oiv Shalom Barodev Shalom. Tzedel says that can't be shot in Rashi because then Iker Chosim in a Sefer, there's nothing in Rashi to indicate that that's true within the realm of Rashi, that he's mentioning that because he's like Aaron. Right, regardless of whether or not he's an uncle, that seems to be right. We're not not the real pshat here. But was Moshe not a nice person? Because according to this pshat, that means he's the brother of Aaron, who's an Oiv Shalom Barodev Shalom. So Moshe Rabbeinu was not an Oiv Shalom Barodev Shalom. Why not? So the Moshe of Zikanim asked this question. Another reshow in the Baltosvos, and he answers that no, 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 no. He can't be an Oiv Shalom Barodev Shalom. 
Moshe Rabbeinu was a judge, a Dayan, and he had to judge everyone fairly according to what they did. Although judges are praised when they compromise and when they do pshara's and things like that, Moshe Rabbeinu had to do Yikov Adin Ahor. He had to be involved in this din because he may have already known what the din is going to be through his Ruach HaKadosh. He had to judge it according to what he sees. If he does pshara's or anything like that, that's not MS in din. That's MS in the world because it's Oiv Shalom Barodiv Shalom, but that's not MS in din. Aaron, who was not a judge, could try to make them compromise. He didn't know whether which way the din was going, but Moshe Rabbeinu, once he saw the way the din was going, it's usher for you to do a pshara at that point. That's the reason why Moshe Rabbeinu was not an Oiv Shalom Barodiv Shalom. He couldn't be. He had to be a man of din. The Berber said this is in Pshat, maybe we're telling you who Uziel was because Moshe told these men to carry Achechem, your brothers. That's the wording of the Pasuk over here. Kibusu was Achechem, take your brothers. How could they be brothers? They're not brothers. Mishal and Tzafan are cousins of Nadav and Aviyu. And the answer is, B'nei Banim Harein Kebanim. Grandchildren are like sons. So in a way, although Mishal and Tzafan are the sons of 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 uh, Uziel and Nadav and Aviyu are from Aaron, Right, they're from Aaron himself. If they go up through Amram and through Uziel all the way back, I guess you can go back to Levi in theory, right? But from Kahas, then it already tells you they were like brothers because even though they were cousins, B'nai Banim Harin Kabanim, in theory, they're still brothers. And that's the Bear Vasadi, his idea behind it. The part of says it's not much of a raya. We often find in Tanakh that the word Ach is used to describe relatives, you know, that aren't that close, as well as Jews who are not directly related because they're Achim and Mitzvos. There's no way that could apply over here as the famous Ritvos says in Makos Daf Yud, right, and Ach is only your brother in Mitzvos while he's alive. He's no longer your brother after he's dead. So to over here, another one had already passed away. So they can't say Achechem, your brothers, about another one of you since they'd already died, unless they were related, which is why the Pasuk is telling us they were related. B'nei Banim Arenkebanim in some way, shape, or form. That's the idea behind it. It's a cool idea. The Rokech and Esther, Megillus Esther says, there are two times when the word Dod appears in Tanakh. I don't mean Dod, Dodi, etc. That obviously appears in other places. But the word Dod is in Dalid Dalid, only appears twice in Tanakh here, and by Esther being the daughter of Avichail, Dod Mordechai. Avichail is the uncle of Mordechai, right? And so to rear Esther was it says over here Dod as well. He says that the word Dod comes from the word Dadim, which refers to the chest that a baby nurses from. That word is used because Avichail was not only the uncle but the Rebbe of Mordechai. That's the Pshat Rokach brings. I will suggest to everybody that if you can find a Tosis Yishanim and Shabbos stuff, Nun Gimom Alf, you'll find another explanation of the word Dod based on the Gemara over there, which is absolutely unbelievable. I think it's Nun Gimom Abayz, I don't remember. But in Shabbos, Nun Gimel, right? So it says it over there. But either way, but this one is that, that the Dod refers to a Dad, that just like a baby nurses from its mother, this nephew nursed from his uncle, meaning he learned by that uncle. Mordechai's Rebbe was Avichail, Esther's father. So to the Rukeach here says, Uziel was Aaron's Rebbe. He was the Dod, but also the Dad, the ability for Aaron to grab in Torah. The question is what he possibly could have learned from him, considering they didn't have Torah yet. But I don't find that to be such a big kasha, because they still had some form of a Torah while they were in Mitzrayim, say for a Yasher or whatever it was that they had, perhaps even Eov that Moshe Rabbeinu had written before they had left, right? And before Moshe came around, Mistama, the Torah that Uziel taught him, was what his Rebbe taught him all the way back to Yaakov, you know, which he learned in Shem Be'ever, or perhaps from the Avos themselves. After all, Lopaskim Yeshiva Me'esa Avos, the Avos always had some form of yeshiva. So I don't have that big of a problem with it. It could even be referring to mitzvahs, like bris mila, gira nasha, right, puravu, maybe the shev mitzvah b'nei noach. Who knows? That's not 
a kasha to me, but I think that's the pshat behind the rokeach itself. Of course, you could say, since they were both known as Oave Shalom, Verodve Shalom, maybe Uziel taught him how to act. The whole reason why Aaron was an Oave Shalom, Verodve Shalom is because that's what Uziel taught him to do. And that's in the way that he became his Rebbe, showing him how to be an Oave Shalom, Verodve Shalom. Maybe that's the pshat. Shariyan says, of course, the word Dodi appears throughout Shira Shirim, as well as through Mishle, and it means beloved, not uncle, right? Which is why here it seems to be used in both connotations. He was not just the uncle of Aaron. He was the beloved Rebbe of Aaron. Someone Aaron was very similar to in nature and then loved him. They just got along really, really well. That's the reason why the word Dodi is used over years as opposed to, I guess, Avi Achi or Ach Aviv or something like that. The Otsar Plos, the Torah says, when Yisro threw an arrow with a letter on it to give to Moshe Rabbeinu, if everybody remembers, tried to get in in the beginning of Parshish Yisro, Rashi says that he threw an arrow into the camp to try to get him to come out for his tzchus, Tzipor's tzchus, or the children's tzchus. Tosas Shalom says it was either found by men who had left the cloud to do their business, if, or it landed by Moshe Rabbeinu, or it was found by Uziel and given to Moshe Rabbeinu. That's a medrash, that Uziel found it. Th- that, by the way, means that Uziel was alive and well, maybe not by the deaths of another of you. He might have died before that because he was very old, you'd assume, if he's Amram's brother. But he may have been alive at that time. The reason might be because we have good things happen through good people. And since Uziel was a man who was known as an Oiv Shalom, who always tried to get people together, perhaps he's the one that tried to get Moshe Rabbeinu back together with his family. Maybe that's the idea behind it and why he was the one who found everything. Why were they chosen for the job. Why Mishovel itself? And all that about was about Uziel. What about them? Why were they chosen for the job itself? Now, Targum Yonatan used the word Levoi. Levoi. Their only qualification here was that they weren't Kohanim. They were Levium. And therefore, they're chosen to do this instead of Aaron's other sons who were Kohanim. The Nativ says, normally the word Vayikra would be used to call someone far away for them to come near you. After all, when you call somebody out, when it says, Vayikra Moshal Mishal Valtzaf, and it's usually calling out to them, like make them known, and then bringing them there. And that's the idea behind it. But then it would say, Limishal, Ule El Tzafan. It wouldn't say El, it would be with a Lamed. That's how you call somebody that's farther away. The word El refers to someone who's closer. So now you got a problem. If they were closer, because it's El Mishal El Tzafan, and they were right there in front of them, then why Vayikra? Why are you calling out to them and asking them for them to come to you from far away? He says it must be he saw them in pain crying over the loss of these two great men. When he saw them in pain, Mishol and Safan, he called them out in a lushan of Chiba, Vayikra, not to call them out from far away, but called them out in a lushan of Chiba. He called them out and said, oh, you too. I see how much you love them. He told them, you will be Zoha to pick up the bodies and bury them. You're the ones who are going to be able to do it. Perhaps he also knew that there were other cousins of Aaron, Hakoin, who were jealous of him and his new position that he had. And he knew that these two were not jealous in the least, Mishol and Safan, and were truly sorry for the law, says the Nitziv, therefore he only called them and he didn't call anybody else because they felt so badly about the deaths of Nadav and Aviyu. Rav Chaim says in Tamir Rabbis and the Rokeach, as we'll see later, as we saw earlier, Uziel was Aaron's Rebbe and he felt his pain, this pain himself, as if it was his own two sons. So therefore, since he was too old to do anything himself, again, Uziel must have been super old at this time, he called out El- Mishal and El-Tuf and his sons, who would be like Nadav and Aviyu's brothers, because of Rebbe, etc., they were chosen to deal with 
with the bodies. So that's Rechaim's shot. Rechaim's shot is they were chosen, not because they were crying necessarily, but because Uziel was crying, and they were the next in kin to Uziel and Stolivim. Rev Yaakov Kamenetsky says, the reason why they were chosen is because they were the closest relatives available. Since Elazar and Itomar could not do it, as we'll see soon, they were Kohanim Gidolim at that moment, they weren't able to do so, and they were needed for the Avodah. Nadav and Aviyu had no children, so they couldn't do it. Aaron couldn't do it, Elazar and Itomar wouldn't do it, so it goes up. And it goes to the next brother in line. Aaron's father was no longer alive. That would have been, I guess, Amram. And then he go down to Amram's brother. Now, why Moshe Rabbeinu and Moshe's sons wouldn't be able to do this, Gershom and Eliezer, I don't know. In my mind, they would have been the next akin. They would have been there. But Yaakov Konetsky says, perhaps the pshat is that Uziel had already died. And he was the next in, in line, I guess, Amram's brother. And therefore, when he died, his sons came next. And therefore, it would have been Mishal and Altsafan. I don't know why it would be any different from Korach. Korach was the son of Yitzor. He's also a brother. Maybe he would be out there. I'm not sure. The only question is why Pinchas? Why not Pinchas if he was around? But maybe Pinchas was also considered a coin at the time. Maybe that's done with him. I don't know. It's a very strange Rav Yaakov Kamenetsky. I would have thought Gershom and Eliezer would be the closest. Maybe Miriam's sons would be the closest in some way, shape, or form. That would be Kalev. Why would be Kalev? Hur and Miriam had Kalev. Yeah, Kalev was born at this time. I'm not sure why Mishal and Altsafan would have been there as well, but that's Rabbi Yaakov Kamenetsky's shot, unless I'm misunderstanding it. The Shah says it was not only Uziel who was like Aaron Avinu, but Aaron HaKohen. But these two, Mishal and Altsafan, also were like him. They were similar to Nadav and Aviyu. They were born leaders. And in fact, Altsafan later became the Nasi of all the Levim and Bamidbar Paragimel Pasuk Lamed. Since they were the most similar to Nadav and Aviyu who passed away, they were chosen to take their bodies and bury them. He even says their names may hint to their deaths that it was so Safun, El Safun, somebody that was hidden and done with Rachamim. Mishoel is the gematria of Af Barachamim. Since they should have died at Harsinai, Nadav and Aviyu should have died at Harsinai when they saw the Shechina and they stared at the Shechina of Yechzu HaSalokim and they didn't. Therefore, HaKadosh Baruch Hu hinted their deaths, Nadav and Aviyu's death through Mishoel and Al-Tzapim, the ones who took them away. So the Shach says it was because they were so similar to Aaron's two sons, Nadav and Aviyu, that's the reason why they were chosen. So, so far we have four answers. We have the fact that there were Levium. But technically five, I'm sorry, five answers. The fact that they were Levium, we have number two because they were they, they were the ones who mourned them more than anything else. We have because Uziel mourned them and therefore they were chosen because of Uziel. We have because they were the closest relatives, which we questioned, but that was Rav Yaakov, right? And then we have the Shach that they were the most similar to Nadav and Aviyu. The Chizkuni says, Moshe Rabbeinu had to command them to do this, right? Because they were too scared to. Who wants to take out these bodies after they had just been killed by a Kaddish Baruch Hu? And Moshe Rabbeinu told them, don't worry. The Ketzef, the anger that had killed Nadav and Aviyu, was no longer there. Yalkuruveni number 82 quotes a Psikto Rabasi, as does in Itziv, and says that that could be why the word Kirvu has two Ta'amim. If you saw, Kirvu is two different Ta'amim at a Gershayim and a Tlisha Ketana, Tlisha because they were afraid to approach until Moshe Rabbeinu called out to them twice and told them, don't worry. Come close, come close. He called out to them two times. That's what the Yakuveni says, and the Psikta and the Nitziv. The Oznayim Latora says, he said this to them in a voice that was at both soft and hard. So they would do it quickly and get the Tuma out of the Mishkan. Maybe that's why we're supposed to have the Gershayim first and then the Tlisha, even though it's written the other way. They heard it like this, get these bodies out, please. It's sort of like a, do this now, 
but please ask them to do it. That's Elz Nine in the Torah. And that's why there's a double ta'am on top of the kirvu. How to do it. Do it harshly and then softly. That yellow is a shaka. Ravarun Leib Steinman says, Moshe specifically told them to come close and take the bodies so that the actual walking toward the bodies would be a mitzvah. They would accomplish a mitzvah with kirvu. Doing that, it would not just be a hechi timsa to get to the bodies. It's a mitzvah, medio raisa, to listen to what Moshe Rabbeinu was telling you. And they would get a mitzvah for doing so. And therefore, he told them kirvu. Not because they were scared. They were not scared. They understood if Moshe Rabbeinu told them to do it, it was something they had to do. But nonetheless, to get to give them a mitzvah at that time. Those nine Latorah goes on and says, people often ask why Aaron was chosen to be Kohen Gadol and not any of the other Levim. Up until that point, everybody was jealous. They looked at it and they said, why Aaron? Why not me? Korach thought that to himself. They thought maybe it's because he has no equal in Klai Yisrael, but they saw Uziel. Uziel was also an Oiv Shalom, Rodev Shalom. Why was Aaron chosen over Uziel, his uncle? Uziel was just as great. They couldn't understand why Aaron was chosen over him. Now that they saw that this job was fraught with danger and that somebody could die so quickly, like Nadav and Aviu, you die at any point and they no longer ask the question. They said, this isn't exactly a privilege to be a Kohen. It's a scary endeavor. It's too dangerous for anybody to ask for it for themselves. He was the Dodaron, and exactly like him. But at this point, they understood why Aaron was chosen. It wasn't an easy job that could be done by just anyone, which means, says the Nine Latora, that's why Mishal and Otsafan were taken. See, even though Nodav and Aviu were dead, Mishal and Otsafan were still alive. Had Uziel been chosen as the Kohen Gadol, Mishal and Otsafan would no longer be alive. And that's what he was telling them. That's the shot as to why he told them to do it. Where were the bodies of Nodav and Aviu? What were they doing over there? And what's exactly the idea behind it? So, I'm just going to write something down right here. Well, where were those bodies of Nadav and Aviyu? Where did they die? The Ibn Ezra says the Torah they brought was by the Mizbeach Ha'ola. The Mizbeach Ha'ola is the outer Mizbeach, the bigger Mizbeach, where they brought their Korbanos. And Levim certainly were able to go there and take their bodies away. Others say that they brought the bod- the fire on the Mizbeach Akhtores inside the Kodesh. They were allowed to enter these Levim and take the bodies out. They were Tahor. And even though normally only Kohanim are allowed to go in, these Levim, because they were Torah and commanded by Moshe Rabbeinu, they were allowed to go in. That's the Ibn Ezra's Pshat, either from the Mizbeach Ha'ola or the Mizbeach Akhtores. The Ramban says this is actually a Machlokas. It's brought in Torah's Kohanim in this partial. Rabbi Eliezer says they died outside in an area where all Levim were allowed to walk. Even though the Pasuk says by that they died in front of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and it sounds like they died in the Kodesh. The Malach did hit them and kill them there, right? But then the Malach pulled out their bodies. They actually died in the Kodesh. He killed them there, but the Malach pulled out their bodies for the Levium to carry them the rest of the way. So therefore, they only carried them from outside the Kodesh. They never went into the Kodesh. That's Rebbe Lezer's opinion. Rebbe Kiva says they died inside. He does not say where Kodesh or Kodesh Kodesh. The assumption is the Kodesh. They were pulled out by Mishol and Otsafen using a large pole, looks like a metal pole and hooks to take the body out. That's how they pulled the body out. Although Kohanim cannot enter the Hechel, they're not doing any of their voda. they're not doing any voda itself, that's only if they have nothing to do at all. If they have to take Tuma out, let's say there was a rat or something that got inside or to fix the Hechel, they were allowed to enter even though they're not doing their voda. The best thing is for Kohanim to go in. And not only that, but Tahor Kohanim should go in who are not Bali Mumin, not filled with blemishes. But they were commanded here to not become Tameh, Allah 
Shabbos or any Tomar, his brothers. So there was no choice other than to send in Levium. Since there was an ability to use hooks and poles, they decided to use that instead. And that's the Pshad is why Rabbi Kiva says that they did not go in directly. There was a mitzvah and they could have gone in. They were allowed to go in. But if the Malach could do it or the hooks can do it, then why go in themselves if they don't have to? And therefore they did not go into the Mishkan to take out the dead bodies. The dead bodies were brought out to them. The Das, the Kenim, and the Bukhor Shore say we learn a halach here from the Kwanim and Yotim cannot be Matame even for their relatives on the day they're anointed for the very first time. Since on that day they have the status Kwanim Gidolim. I don't know if he means on the day that they're anointed with a Shemina Mishcha because normally Kwanim are not anointed that way. Or if he means on the day that Kwanim are first Mechanech into Yavoda I don't know if that's true that they have that status of Kwan and on that day. But either way, if the Dasakani and Bhorshwar say it, you'd assume they're talking about something that's Lidoros in future generations. They didn't use the Shamanamishcha for anybody but the Kwan and from that point on. Only a Lazari Tamar and another one of you had it on that day because there were Kwanim and Yotim that were treated like Kwan and Gidolim. But it's very strange. I'm not sure if this ever happened again. Again, of strange baltosis, das kenim the bechor shor. The tour and the moshe zakenim wonder if this din applied only as a horas shah at that moment from Yishol and Ratzafen, or if they retained that kedusha, or for I'm sorry, for another man of you or a lesser tamar that they had a horas shah that they were kohen and gedolim. Did they have that for the rest of their lives, or was only at that moment that it was like that? We don't know. That we don't know. The rabbino Ephraim says they felt they felt faint in the Kodesh HaKadoshim. Again, we're going back to that idea, and that idea is they felt faint in the Kodesh HaKadoshim when they brought the Ketoros in there, but they did not die when they brought the Ketoros into the Kodesh HaKadoshim. So up until now, we said they were in the Kodesh in some way. They were in some way, shape, or form in the Kodesh, maybe the Mizbech HaOlam, Mizbech HaKadoshim, etc. But the Rabbeinu Ephraim says they were in the Kodesh HaKadoshim. They brought the ashes of the Ketoros and they brought it inside by the Kodesh HaKadoshim itself, and they placed it in front of the Aron. They felt sick, but they didn't die then. They only died when they entered the Kodesh. They did not actually die in the actual Kodesh HaKadoshim. They wouldn't be Metami that area. The Moshe Zakenians later says there is no issue with that, but they weren't Metami, the Kodesh HaKadoshim, only the Kodesh. That's what the Rabbin Ephraim says. The Torah Squanim seems to say it was in Mizbecha, all outside where they died, although it seems there are other opinions in there. Like the Rabbin Ephraim, they want to bring the Kodesh in the Kodesh HaKadoshim. They were wrong in doing so. Miam only brings the opinion that they did this in the Kodesh HaKadoshim, and they were brought out. He doesn't even bring up the opinions of the Torah Squanim that we mentioned with Rabbi Elaz and Rabbi Kiva of them being in the Kodesh. But that's it. So if you ask, where did they die? Again, we've got three different opinions, and they're all totally different from one another. They died by the Mizbecha Ola. They died by the Mizbecha Torah the Kodesh, or they died by the Kodesh of Gedashim. How do they get out? Some say the Malach dragged them out. Some say they dragged them out with hooks. Some say they just came out themselves, like the Rabino Ephraim. We don't have any real answers as to this, but I find it a little bit strange. The Balaturim says, again, why are there two trups on top of the word Kirvu? We've given two answers so far, because they had to delay, or because it was done in a harsh voice together with a nice voice. Here's our third answer. There's a Tlisha Gidola and a Girshayim, says the Balaturim. They didn't actually enter the Hechel to take their bodies, based on what we just said. They struck stuck in an iron spear and pulled out their bodies with those spears. So therefore the kirvu is to come close, but not as you yourself, but rather to take it out in a different way, and that's through the poles themselves. And that's why there's two ta'am by that word kirvu. The Atra Zadar said the Balamisar is called Tlisha Atarsa. A tarsa is a spear of some sort. It's a weapon of some sort. Maybe that's the hint that Chazal got with their Midrashim to know that they used a spear to pull out their bodies themselves. Geresh can be like Garor to drag out. Says the Atra Zadar, this shot that the Balaturim brings 
maybe explains why specifically those two's trup, the Tlisha and the Gershayim, are used to be able to explain and where the Chazal got this from. Perhaps those two Talmud say that they didn't actually come close to get the bodies. They weren't Kirvu. Rather, there was a hefsik between them and they brought them out that way. Another question the Rishonim asked is if they did die inside the Ohel, why wasn't the Mishkan Tameh? They died inside there. The Ohel was made with Urios on top. Urios, some of them were Ezim, which is something that does become Tameh. It's something that does make an Ohel. Why didn't that make them Tameh? So the Torah and many others answer that since the Mishkan was set up and placed based on a Kaddish Baruch Hu's word and it would only be taken down when Hashem told them to do so, even though it technically was a temporary Mishkan with an Ohel made of Urios skins that could be taken off and put back down, which normally would be Mitame and normally spread Tumab throughout it, Nonetheless, because it was considered kavua, therefore it did not become tame. It could have a tumas ohel inside it, but it did not become tame. Even though the curtain above on its own could become, the Mishkan itself could not be, and therefore there was no issue whatsoever. It was able to be considered free of any tumor, which is an absolute amazing thing. Rashi says, the wording of carry your brothers, is like someone saying to his friend, take the person who just died away from, his, away from the bride so we don't mix sadness together with the simcha. Now that sounds a little bit strange. Would you say that at a wedding, the best man just died? And I'll say, well, take the best man away and let's let the chassan and kala still get married so they don't get distracted by it. I understand the sentiment behind it, but doesn't that sound like maybe we should stop for a second and give some sort of honor to the dead for what had happened? Sifse Chachamim says it could be understood from the fact that it did not say Ukvarum and they bury them. Rather, it says Meis Kodesh. The Iker is to take them away from the Kodesh, not to take them away in order to bury them. But it does seem callous, right? What's the shot behind this Rashi? Moshe of Zikkanim explains that this was the Simcha of Akarish Baruch Hu, who knew what was happening and knew that Nadav and Aviyah were going to do this mistake. As we said, by Al-Kim, there were already Chayimisa beforehand. This was the moment where they were going to have to go down. And as Moshe Rabbeinu told Aaron himself, right, Bikrovaya Kadesh, there's going to be some type of kavod that through the close ones of Akarish Baruch Hu, Akarish Baruch Hu will show a Kiddush Hashem. They couldn't stop there would be high of Misa if they stopped because of it. They had to go on. Because it's Mipiyagvura, because HaKadosh Baruch was saying, this is the Avoda. They chose to do the Avoda in the wrong way, and therefore they cannot be a part of this. That might be part of this idea. We don't know where he heard it from. Maybe he heard it from Mipiyagvura, from HaKadosh Baruch himself, or maybe from the words of Shmartim, Samusu. You should watch over the Mishmar Sashem and not die. Maybe he understood it from there, but nonetheless, Moshe Benu knew that this is what had to happen at this point. In Sukkah, in Dapchav Ches, we, I'm sorry, we say that the men who approached Moshe and asked them about Pesach Sheni and asked them about what to do about Tuma, they say, was Mishal and Altsafan. They're the ones who did it. Rabbi Kiva holds that this happened in the 8th of Nisan, the 8th of Nisan, and that is why they couldn't become taller in time to do the Korban Pesach properly. Rav Schwab says, and by the way, as a side note, by the way, this is an interesting halacha, because I've had this asked by me before. Wait a second, if this happened on the 1st of Nisan, which is the opinion of most, most Tanoim, Right? then they should become, be able to become Tameh by the times of Pesach, which was 13, 14 days later. Why were they not Tameh? Why were they not Tameh yet? And the answer is because this is going according to Rabbi Kiva, who says it happened on the 8th, that the seven days of Miluim were from Rosh Chodesh until the 7th, and the 8th day of the Miluim is when the Aaron was actually set up. That opinion, they weren't able to do the Korban Pesach properly. Rav Schwab says, according to this opinion, makes a lot of sense why Elazar and Itamar could not become Tameh, and they couldn't take out the bodies of their brothers, even though they had a mitzvah to do so, and they could have done it before everybody else. They couldn't, because if they did, there would only be one coin available to 
the Avodah on Erev Pasach, and that's ridiculous. Even three Kohanim is absolutely ridiculous, like the Mashachachma says there in Parshish Baloscha, but the fact that it would only be one of them, impossible. So therefore, because of that, they were told, do not walk out, do not do anything. This is almost exactly what it says in the Midrash Chayfetz in the Torah Shleimah. So although I just quoted it from the Gemara, from Rosh Schwab, Rosh Shem and Schwab, it seems that the Midrash Chayfetz in the Torah Shleimah says exactly that. It doesn't bother me so much. I doubt Rosh Schwab had the Midrash Chayfetz. The Torah Shleimah had access to a lot of sperm that others did not have. The Hafla says the spear they used to pull out the bodies was made of metal. And therefore... That Yishol and Otsafen became Tomei Mace through the metal that touched their bodies from the din of Amesu Kahalal. I don't know if they even picked up the bodies according to this law. It could be they only became Tomei from actually touching the metal of the spears and not from anything else. The, everybody asks, but why not use wooden spears? Okay, that's another story. But the Malbum says since they had been burned and their bodies were burned, it was as if they were considered Mesim Chaserim, as if their bodies were lacking, missing parts of their bodies. In such a case, a coin should not be Matame for them. And because of that, Mishol and Otsafen had to be chosen rather than Nadav and Elazar and Itamar, because Elazar and Itamar could not be Matame for a body that was missing a part, is a Mace Chaser, right? So therefore, there was no choice whatsoever. Moshe Zakanim adds, there are opinions that their bodies were burnt up completely and turned to ashes, although their clothes remained intact. Nida, Chavzayin Amabez says that, that the clothes remained intact, but the bodies were ashes. And there we say there, burnt bodies are not tame. So then it becomes even bigger, Kasha. So what's Pshat? For sure the Mishkan's not tame. Why weren't Allah's or any Tamar told to become tame for it? Because there's no Tuma. It's just burnt ashes. However, they still may have had a Tuma. Tosa says there that their spines may have still been intact. So it might be that even though their bodies were completely burned, it could be the spine was still intact with like the loose bone and everything. And therefore the Kwanim were told, don't become Tame for it. We need you. Send me Shalom and Osafan. Or that their bodies were still mefarchasin and moving a bit, even though they were completely burned. The Yavit says they were not burned to ashes. Their bodies were burned and blackened, but not turned to soot. And therefore they couldn't be matami. So for those three reasons, either because the spines were still intact right? There was still a spine. Or they were mefarchazin. They were moving around a bit, even though they were totally burned. Or because their bodies were burned and black and not turned to soot, right? Or because they're like a mace chaser, in which there were parts of their body missing, then burned off completely, but not all of it. For any of those reasons, that's why a lesser and Itama would not be chosen. They wouldn't be able to do it. The Chavetzel Hashron has a bunch of pages on this. He says, perhaps that's why Rashi wrote what he did. You may have thought that Mishol and Otsafon were sent to take out the bodies instead of a lesser and Itamar, so they would not become Tomei. As it turns out, they wouldn't have become Tomei had they done so because the bodies were burnt completely or for some other reason. The only reason why Mishol and Osef were sent to do so because Hashem did not want to mess up the Simcha of the moment. He brings many other Pshatim behind this, but that's the idea. Elazar and Tamar were Kohanim on that day. Don't mess up the fact that they were Kohanim on that day. And for that reason, they were the ones, Mishol and Osef were the ones that were sent in. So in the end, we have seven reasons why Mishol and Osef were sent in over anybody else, over Elazar and Tamar. Have a great Shabbos, everyone. Have a great day.